Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. pray without ceasing. Even Paul, in his writing to the Ephesians in chapter 6, beginning in verse 18, he said to them, he says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And notice he says, and pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Prayer should be so much more than casting wishes to heaven. It is rooted in understanding God's will and promises according to his word and praying those promises into action. For each prayer request, we should mentally and vocally ask, what possible reason do I have to think that God will answer this prayer? we should be able to answer that question from his word. And now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes part one of this message. My entire life offered up on a silver platter, the very best I can offer him. And even then it is so pale. And he says, that's all I require. You give me your life, give me your heart, and I'll figure out the rest. I'll do the rest, Rob. Don't you worry. You just give your all to me and I'll work it all out. And that's all he wants. He wants you. He wants you. He wants to have that relationship with you. He wants that fellowship with you. What a wonderful thing. Is there anything better than that? Honestly, there's nothing better. Nothing better. But we can have great confidence concerning these things in prayer. Certainly we can have... Uh, we can have confidence when we pray for the forgiveness of sins. We know that that is His will. We can also have confidence concerning our basic needs. He promised to give us those things. The sanctification of our souls. Isn't it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, doesn't it say, for this is the will of God, your sanctification? We know that sanctification is His will. So when we pray that, believe me, He is all in on that. And you hopefully will be a willing vessel. If you're honest... Lord, sanctify me, cleanse me from these things, and trust me, he will. If your heart is right and you really desire it, he will cleanse you, and he will rip those things away from you, and you're going to be like, I am so glad to finally be free of some of that stuff. Lord, do more. (laughs) And he's willing, but the problem is on our end, because I'm not always willing. But be willing. He's also He can also comfort our trials. We can have great confidence when we pray concerning that. And also for grace. Lord, I need grace. I need wisdom. I need direction. I need deliverance from evil, Lord. 
Are those things that we can have confidence in prayer? You bet, because in Matthew chapter 6, what does it say? Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, notice, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the next one. Give us this day our daily bread. Is that a basic need? It is. Basic needs, and it includes more than just our basic bread. It's food and clothing and shelter, those those kind of things. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And it's certainly it can be speaking of uh, some kind of financial debt, but it can also mean sins. The New Living Translation translates that word sins. Metaphorically, it can mean that too. Your debts, your sins, it doesn't matter. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our, de- who are our debtors. Either way... It's all right. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. So those are the things, at the very least, that we can have confidence in prayer. But ultimately, there's things that God's not obligated to answer. Prayers. Prayers that violate His Word. Some people play with God. They'll even invoke superstition. Have you ever done this? You'll have a prayer like, Lord, if it is not your will that I sleep with my girlfriend before marriage, cause her to, her car to break down before she gets to my apartment. What? Have you ever played games like that? You use superstition? Lord, if it's your will that I do this, cause a 747 to come smashing through the sky and hit that convenience store right over there. But if that doesn't happen, Lord, then I know that it's the right thing to do. Superstition. We need to toss superstition away. Hmm. You have to obey the Lord no matter what. And the Lord may allow the perfect storm, and He may allow all the pieces to come together easily that He may try you. You see, the devil will use it to tempt you, but God might allow it to teach you something about yourself. There's a difference between being tried and being tempted. Being tried by God means he already knows the outcome, but you need to know the outcome so that you know where you're at. But the devil wants to tempt you to sin, to destroy you, but God wants to try you that you might learn from whatever it is. Big difference. The motive behind those things are completely different. And therein lies the problem. Or therein lies the issue. And he is not obligated to answer prayers in the affirmative if it puts us in harm's way of which we are not always able to have the foresight of. You know, there have been many people who have testified of praying or even not praying before an event and narrowly escaping death like that by a, by a thread of a hair. They've uh, narrowly escaped death. I'll never forget just a couple of, about a week and a half ago, we had an accident out here at the corner of uh, Blossom Road and uh, Browncroft. And we have it, I had it on the church video because I saw it on the cameras. Guy came flying through the intersection just as a person was pulling out like this. This guy came and I, I thought they were going to hit them. They were so close. I mean, the breeze, there was a breeze on that bumper when that person flew by. It hit the snowbank and flipped over on its back all the way down and slid a couple hundred feet down the, down the right in front of fast track. Centimeters. I wonder if that person was a believer. Maybe they woke up that morning and said, Lord, I pray that your will is done today. Lord, help me to know what your will is. Protect me today, Lord. And then to have something like that happen. You know what? That person, I watched on the video, and they kept driving up Creek Street. They didn't even know what happened milliseconds behind them. 
They, they weren't even aware of it. They just kept going. And they, they, they probably will never know. <laughs> Amazing. And God's not obligated to do anything that's going to cater only to our flesh. Why should the Lord give you the spouse of your dreams? You know, you got your checklist. She's got to have blonde hair. She's got to have this. She's got to have that. She's got to have this. And you've got this checklist in your mind. These are all the things that I want in a spouse. And if God gives you that person, it would end up, you'd end up worshiping them, putting them on the altar of your heart, forgetting about God, and instead putting all of your trust in that person. Is a spouse an idol to you? I've seen it happen. There was a young lady here a number of years ago, probably at least 15 years ago. Her friend got married, and they were really close friends. And she gets married, and the, her friend is so jealous, the fact that she got married, she went out and got married to a man who didn't even know the Lord, didn't really love the Lord. And their marriage ended in a bitter, bitter, bitter mess. Because she wanted it so bad, it was on the altar of her heart. She couldn't just stop and say, you know what, I'm, I'm glad for my friend, but Lord, you know I have a desire to be married. It's a very normal, natural thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it becomes such a thing where you, you'll do anything to get it, then there's a problem. I wonder, did she pray? Or if she did pray, she certainly shoved the dove. <laughs> she shoved the dove. I'm going to make it happen. And sometimes we do that. God is not obligated to answer those prayers. He'd be a horrible father if he did. We are not the center of the universe. We are not. The Bible encourages us in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing. And that's something that we ought to foster in our, in our lives. And that may seem like a hard thing to do to pray without ceasing. Even Paul, in his writing to the Ephesians in chapter 6, beginning in verse 18, he said to them, he says, Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And notice he says, And pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Even Paul, who we would seemed to think that he was one of the most bold man, bold men in all of the, all Christendom, and yet he would ask for prayer. And we are to pray without ceasing. Pray at all times, and make sure your eyes are open. If you're driving a car, keep your eyes open. <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. It's like a, you know, in, in, in John's Gospel, in the 17th chapter, when Jesus was his high priestly prayer, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may also glorify you. You know, sometimes we need to be praying with our eyes open. I pray with my eyes open when I'm really tired because if you close your eyes, you're going to fall down flat. Your head's going to bob and it's going to hit the, the, the something in front of you. So the posture is not so much important. If you gotta pray with your eyes open, pray with your eyes open. If you gotta pray with them closed so that you're less distracted, then you do what you gotta do, but make sure that you pray and pray without ceasing. Always be in contact and in communion and in, in, and, and asking God and, and, and filling Him in and just have the conversation all, keep it open all day. It's possible. And start doing that. It's something that we need to do. In verse 15, it says, and if we know, we're gonna end on this verse. Looking at the time. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. I love this. In John chapter 16, Jesus speaking, he told his disciples, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Now, again, if you take that at face value, you may just think, well, I'm just going to pray for whatever. But when you put it all together, then you realize what's really important. Because we just read one of the verses. You pray in accordance to his will. You pray in his name. So if I'm praying in his name and I'm praying according to his will, I'm probably not going to ask for something really silly. Like, Lord, I want a house that's bigger than that guy on Lake Avenue. It oversees the bluff, but I want my bluff to be bigger. I want the property to be bigger. I want that grand piano right in the middle of the room with the glass on each side, temperature and humidity humidity controlled. That's actually what I want. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. But in Matthew 7, what did Jesus say? He said, ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread? Will he give him a stone? And we read that earlier. Isn't it true? Ask and keep asking. Don't give up until the Lord tells you to stop. There is a time when God may tell you to stop. He did that with I, He did that with Jeremiah, excuse me. In Jeremiah chapter 7, as Jeremiah is praying for his own countrymen in Jerusalem, and judgment was coming from the Babylonians. And Jeremiah started to pray, and, and the Lord told him, Jeremiah, don't bother praying anymore. Are you kidding me? You're God. I should be praying. No, judgment is coming. It's too late. So don't pray. They're on their way. Can you hear the bells on the horses? Can you hear the rattling spears? They're coming, Jeremiah. Don't even pray. Just surrender. Tell them to surrender, and they will live. And let them take them captive to Babylon. Be obedient to Nebuchadnezzar, and you will be safe. We'll finish with one final thing here. This is an interesting, interesting verse. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. We pray in accordance to God's will. And if he, and if we pray, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, remember this, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Turn with me to Acts 12, verse 5. This is a really wonderful verse. It's kind of comical too. And we'll finish here. It says, Peter, this was one of the many times that Peter was in prison after the day of Pentecost, at least the second time, maybe the third time at this point. But Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, notice, was offered to God for him by who? By the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. And I love the fact that Peter was sleeping. He was just resting in God's will, wasn't he? He wasn't all upset about, he knew that they had already crucified his Savior And now he's in prison for at least a second or third time, and he's thinking to myself, you know what, I have no idea what's going to happen. They're probably going to hang me up on on a tree tomorrow, or maybe the next day. I have no idea what it is, but he gave him the peace like a baby to sleep. Is that something supernatural? I think it is, because I'd probably be getting sick to my stomach thinking that any minute my head could be lopped off, or any minute they're going to take me up to to the thing and they're going to hang me like they did my Savior. 
So when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. Wow, this guy must have been a really hardened criminal. What a horrible man to be chained between two guards. Wow, he must have been a dangerous guy. He must have knew Kung Fu. Must have had a gun. Can you believe it? Isn't it funny? One of the most peaceful men in all the world. Two, two soldiers chained. It's not good enough to chain him to a wall. <laughs> two men. And the guards. So Peter was sleeping bound with chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and he raised him up saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done, that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming or something. And this thing is really happening. Verse 10, when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and down the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And so when Peter came, had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. And here it is, verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark and where many people were gathered together praying. So the church was praying in this house, praying for Peter. <laughs> and this is funny. It, it actually is kind of comical. I love it. And as Peter knocked on the door, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so, and so they said, it's his angel. He's already dead by now. Herod had his way with him. And so they've been praying for his release, for his safety. And yet Rhoda, you know, she, you can, I, I can see it. Can you see it in your head? She's just running back and forth. Is this real? Is this real? God, he's, he's outside the door. You're crazy. You've been spending too much time next to the candle, and the fumes are removing oxygen from your head. <laughs> when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she didn't. So they, they, they said that you're mad. You're mad. It's his angel. So verse 16, now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. The very thing that they were praying for was coming to pass. They prayed for God's will to be done. And God's will was done. And it was a miraculous thing, too, because here you've got two guards guarding him, chained to him. What are the odds that that's going to happen? Here they are. Think about this. So I would encourage you to pray big, folks, because we serve a very big God, and often my prayers are small. And it's okay to pray small prayers because some prayers are small. But don't be afraid to pray the impossible because this is an impossible situation. He's chained to two armed guards. And there's two different gates he's got to get through. And then there's a gate that opens up. There's so many obstacles, so many things to go wrong in the middle there. It's just, it's, it's, the odds are very against him. And yet they prayed. <laughs> and was their prayer effectual? I believe it was because God heard their prayer. They prayed and it was God's will. Could it have been God's will that Herod would have taken his head off? It could have been, but it wasn't. They prayed. And I am sure, Lord, if it is your will, please deliver our brother from the prison. And then finally, he's knocking on the door, and they don't believe it. I can be like that. Can you be like that sometimes? 
See, God wants to minister to us in this area of prayer. Believe in Him. Believe that He is mighty. Believe that He is able to do whatever it is that He has determined in His own counsels to be done. But we'll never know unless we pray. And we'll never know unless sometimes we pray the impossible. See, sometimes I get to a, a, a point and I think of, man, this thing is impossible. And God says, well, why don't you try me? And then we don't. We don't. And so he doesn't. Sometimes he will anyway, but sometimes he doesn't. He's like, you know what? I could have given that deliverance. I could have done this thing and worked in a way that would have blown your mind and I would have gotten the glory and everyone else would have known it too. But you didn't pray. You didn't ask. You didn't care. It was too big for me, according to you, for me to do. So I'm not going to do it. So we miss out on an opportunity because we were afraid to pray big. We were afraid to pray the impossible. Hey, pray the impossible, because that's when God loves to work the most. Don't be afraid to pray the impossible. Can we agree on that today? Don't be afraid to pray the impossible, because what can happen? No. He could answer and say, no, I can't. I'm not going to do that for reasons you don't understand. But you'll never know unless you pray the impossible. But usually we get right to the edge, and we're we're, going to pray the impossible, but then we back away because it really is impossible. He'd never do that. He never could do that. There's no way that this could happen. Oh, I think God's ears perk up and go, wow, I can't believe that. They, they don't think I can do it? Watch this. Imagine Joshua as he's rooting out the, the Gibeonites or the, um, the Hivites and going against those, those towns. And in chapter 11, he caused the sun to stand still. That's impossible. Lord, we got a job to do. We need more daylight. And the Lord, and he prays to the Lord. And Joshua says, sun, stand still. Moon, stand still. And God says, I'll answer that. The astronomers for centuries are going to be really ticked about this one. But he does. He asks the impossible. And God says, I'll do that. I'll move heaven and earth for you because you're doing my will and you're doing exactly what I want you to do. I can do that. And I can do it in such a way where nobody's going to get hurt either. I can I can slow down the earth or I can slow down the sun. I can slow down the whole orbit system incrementally so there's no effect on the tides. I can do all of that and much more. Ask. Ask and receive. Let's stand. I want to encourage you, though. Don't be afraid to pray the small prayers. Don't be afraid to, to pray the really big prayers. You honor God when you believe that he can do the impossible. Do you you understand? We honor him when we believe that he can do the impossible according to his will. So don't be afraid, but make sure and don't get upset if if your motive and your attitude is not right that he doesn't answer it, but you never know till you try. All he can say is no. All he can say is not yet. So be bold in your prayer. Be bold in your prayer, but do it with the heart of Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would revolutionize our prayer life, each of us individually, my own included, Father. You know I need that just as much as all of us do. Lord, cleanse us, heal us, help us to be, to know that you can do the impossible and help us to trust you, Lord. Please, Lord, be, be the wheels on our cars today. Get us home safely, Father, each one of us, Lord. If it be your will, get us all home safely tonight. And give us safety tomorrow morning as we travel to work or wherever we're going, to school or to work. 
Give everyone here, Lord, and even our brothers and sisters who aren't here, Lord, please protect them today. Protect them, Father. Bless us all. Encourage us. Strengthen us by your Spirit. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.